Glad you're here. Uh, going to have a great week. Tuesday, obviously, the service. Next Sunday, I'm going to be here. So if you get family coming in to visit you, uh, bring them to church. They, uh, they may like it. And if they don't, they can go back home. You know what I'm saying? They don't have to live here. Uh, I've been doing a series. It's all in your head. And I, I know I've said this before, but every time in the olden days, when they would say it's all in your head, you'd get all offended because they would think it's you're just a figment of your imagination. And then who's lived long enough to understand it probably is all in your head? Who's ever had wars with your own brain? Who's ever had your brain just kind of take off on you and go off on its own? Yeah, I've had a runaway brain before. And so uh, I am concluding the series. For those of you that didn't like the series, thank God it's over. There's a reward in heaven probably for you and online that you kept on tuning in even though it was what it is. But we're talking about rethinking our thinking. My, one of my life verses, I think I have lots of life verses for whatever is of the day. But one of my life verses is Proverbs 4.23 that says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of that flow the issues of life. Above all else, guard this thing that makes decisions, helps us make decisions, that gives us perspective, that directs us. Above all else, I've known people that get a wounded heart. And it just it disqualifies them, and it knocks them out for sometimes years. And so guard your heart with all diligence. And so that's kind of where out of the, the uh, track that I've been going. And it, let me get right into it here. Now, for those of you, I'm not repeating last week's sermon, even though I'm going to be saying some of the same things. So if you heard some of this before, just tell your children, it's okay, honey. Old people sometimes repeat themselves. So just smile and say, Oh, and they'll never know that they did that. I'm old. I'm just not that old yet, but I hope to get that old. <laughs> Beats the alternatives, I just want to say. Anyway, number one, Jesus elevated humanity from being temple attenders to being the temple itself. See, these guys, they would, uh, Jesus took holy to a whole different place. In the Old Testament, the temple was the most holy place there was and you would swear by the temple you would go to the temple make your sacrifices and all that kind of stuff and Jesus uh, took the the temple and he, he, he didn't desecrate it by any stretch of the imagination but he took it from a place to a person Amen. that we are the, the Paul says it uh, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Jesus redefined, redefined, defined. Amen. Oh. I'm kidding, Pastor. <laughs> oh, no. It's going to take more than that to stop me. I, oh, yeah. This light stuff. I mean, you know, when you're a veteran pastor, this is light stuff. You can. <laughs> now I got to start over. Proverbs 4. No. <laughs> See, I know how to make you pay. But anyway, what Jesus did, he, he, took, <laughs> he, took the, uh, he, he, he took the temple. And he says, now you are that temple. Number two, Jesus elevated humanity from God being out there to God living in here. 
Remember reading the Old Testament and the Bible say, and the Spirit of the Lord came on Moses or the Spirit of the Lord came on Elijah or Samson or one of the prophets. And what would happen is God's Spirit would whoosh, come on them. And man, and they would do all kinds of things. When the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson, he was just incredibly strong. I don't think he was a muscle man, you know, with bulging muscles. I just think when God came on him, it gave him, it gave him incredible ability to do all kinds of wonderful, wild things. But the Spirit of the Lord would come on them, and then the Spirit of the Lord would go off, and then they'd be normal people again. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what, the Spirit of the Lord is not out there somewhere. The Spirit of the Lord is within you. See, Romans 10 says, now listen to me, guys, because a lot of church folks, they're praying, oh, God, bring your spirit, bring your spirit. Oh, Lord, let it fall, let it fall. Lord, bring it up, bring it wherever you think it comes from. It's what you're looking for. And Paul says, hey, 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 he's right inside of you. He is? Yes. Look at Romans 10. Uh, salvation that comes through faith says, you don't need to search the heavens to find Christ and bring him down to help you. You don't need to go among the dead to bring Christ back to life again for salvation that comes from trusting Christ. And then he puts a little comma, and that is what we preach is already easy, within easy reach of all of us. In fact, it is as near as your own heart and your own mouth. He said it's as close as your heart that you believe. It's as close as your mouth. That's where the Spirit of God is. You don't have to wait to go to church on Sunday or Saturday or whenever you do your thing. It's the Spirit of the Lord is in you. He, Jesus took it from out there to in here. And it's a wonderful thing. John says, the water that I give him will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. See, it's a far cry from going to the temple with your sacrifice to the priest and going through the ritual. And Jesus says, but it's in you. Well, it doesn't seem official. Don't you need a little pomp and circumstance? And Jesus says, no. They had Bible for their thing. They had the Torah that said to do this. And Jesus says, I want you to know, when I came, it really all becomes different. Everything changes. And it would almost seem like, is this real? Because we always had to go through the big deal of down there in Jerusalem and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus says, no, no, no. It, uh, this is how eternal life works. So rather than thinking of eternal life out there, if you would think of eternal life here, and it's springing up inside of you to eternal life. So the Lord is always here. Now, I know sometimes we say, wow, the great church service. You could really sense the Lord. And that's fine. I'm not, not against any of that kind of stuff. I tell you, when the singers were just, forever he is glorious, sense the Lord. Well, you could, and that's great. But you could sense the Lord anytime you want to if you'll tune yourself into that. You don't need Jeremiah, which he is very good, by the way. <laughs> not that I'm bragging, but Jeremiah is the music director of Leading Edge Academy. Don't you wish your, he was the music director back when you were in the day. Anyway, number three, Jesus elevated humanity through his unique and creative plan for us. God elevated humanity. We love our pets. We love our animals. God knows. I'm not quite a cat person yet, but I'm kind of moving that direction. And we love the little kitties and all those kinds of things, but they, they're not human. And we, as long as we all understand that, they're almost human. And I know yours is a special human. And so I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Matter of fact, I realize even as I speak, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Did I say that out loud? 
Psalm 139, 13. You created, you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are beautiful, and I know that full well. We as believers believe that God was there when you were in your mother's womb, being formed that God was there also, and we were knit together. We were wired together. How God wired humans is an incredibly wonderful, sacred, honorable thing. Now, that's not just Christians. How many of you know God was there for the unbelievers, too, when they were being formed in, in, his, in their mother's womb? God was with you before you found him. We understand that. So this is not just about how, the God, how God wired Christians and making a big separation, though. No, I'm telling you, this is how God wired humanity, and I want to talk to you about that today. Uh, number four, the Bible appears unrealistic until you broach biology. I almost said the Bible appears unrealistic until you understand biology, but I didn't want you to think that I understood biology. I can just broach it a little bit and understand a bit of it. How many know what I'm talking about? The Bible, the, the commandments of Jesus seem absolutely absurd. Turn the other cheek. Are you kidding me? Agree with your adversary while you're on your way to court with him? No, I'm going to take him to court and sue him, and he's going to pay us. See, Jesus, you can't be serious. That must be for, like, church world, where people just sit around and sing kumbaya all day. That you can't expect in the real world, you think the real world is this world, you ought to have been around when Jesus said those words to those people who were under Roman occupation. By law, the, the Romans could make you, conscript you to carry their luggage for a mile. And Jesus says, if they do that, go the second. What? They could take your coat, and Jesus says, if they do that, give them your shirt too. What? Those Romans, I'll tell you why they came in here, and those Romans ought to be overthrown, and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus says, I'll tell you how to win another way. So Jesus, Jesus' commandments just seem to be absolutely ridiculous. Until you understand how we're wired, how we're created, how we work. See, science people, a lot of Christians, they, I think they're mistaken. They fight science. And we're the Christians, and we don't believe in all that science up. And they go on and on and on they go. But I think science oftentimes, most often, just proves how God did it. Amen. I think science can, good science anyway, can prove how God did what he said he was going to do. See, and I want to talk to you today. It's not just uh, because the Bible says how science can prove that what Jesus says will make your life a whole lot better because he wired you in your mother's womb. He created us and he formed us. He knit us together. And the Roman world that Jesus spoke this into was a whole lot more violent than the world we live in today. Sometimes we think we live in a violent world, and we probably do. You ought to go to some areas of the world. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we live in a little Sunday school picnic compared to how some people live in the world today. And so, five hormones that I talked about last week. This is the joke about repeating himself. And the reason I'm doing this, because I'm the pastor and I can preach what I want to. <laughs> and you got to preach on something, so you might as well. No, anyway, so last week when I talked about this, I realized as I was talking, I was talking real fast because I wanted to get through them, and I kind of felt like drinking water out of a fire hydrant. Whoosh! 
it was one of my points, and now I'm going to talk to you for a little while about each one. I'm going to repeat myself a bit, but I'm not going to, I, I want to elaborate is what I want to do. The first one is, is endorphins, and that is called the pain blocker. It's what runners get when you've been running for a while, and you almost run out of gas, and all of a sudden there's this second wind. Endorphins kick in. And the pain is gone, and you've got the strength to, to go ahead and complete the marathon, to do the work you're supposed to do, and it just is a second one. And that's, it's a hormone in your body, believers and, and non, it kicks in, and it does wonderful things for you. It's, it's, I, and I said it last week, it's why Kyler Murray uh, messed up his ankles and finished the game. How did he do that? Because endorphins had kicked in, and he didn't feel that pain until when? When the game's over, oh, my word, you feel it. And so that's how endorphins work in our body. They are, they are for the pain blocker. Now, God's endorphins for your life is called grace. It's called grace. When you say, I don't know how I made it. I don't understand how I came through that. The truth of it is, what happened to you in the middle of your trial, anybody ever had trials before? Testing, troubles, all that kind of stuff. Anybody ever have that? It's the grace of God that comes in and gives you incredible strength, gives you incredible endurance that was not on your own. Paul says, I was going through all this stuff, but I learned that his grace is sufficient for me. Hebrews says, we can approach the throne of grace that we might find help in time of need. Guys, what we can approach is God's throne of grace, and it'll give us those kind of endorphins that will help us make it. When the situation doesn't change, when you're to the end of your road, I tell you, God's grace will come in, and he will strengthen you well beyond your reasonable limit. You know, we've all read the little footprints, uh, plaques and posters that are out there, and basically it says, you know, Lord, I remember as we were walking on the beach, and I could see two sets of footprints. And then when trials came, I only saw one set of footprints. And Lord, I wondered why you left me and why you left me alone, because there's only one set of footprints. And you guys know this thing too. And so the, the, the voice comes back and he says, that footprint is when I carried you. I heard a preacher say not long ago that people say, oh, Jesus is just a crutch. And this guy says, crutch, nothing. He's a stretcher. I'm not leaning on Jesus. He's my co-pilot, as it were. He carries me. And that's what the grace of God will do. Paul says, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to everyone. But God, with that temptation, will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He doesn't take all the temptations away, but he gives something he calls grace. Now, if you abuse grace, if you're reckless with it, if you say, I'm not going to plan, I'm not going to prepare, you'll burn out. I know all kinds of Christians that kind of burned out because they found God's grace and then just took, just took advantage of it. Said, I'm not going to plan, I'm not going to budget. And so when God has come through financially for people, if you don't, if you abuse that, I think you go broke. Number two, or letter B, whatever your bulletin says, is dopamine. And that's the feel-good feel good hormone. You get a little shot of it. When you uh, do some positive action, when you get a compliment, someone says, wow, you look nice today. Bing, a little dopamine. And that's when you say, what? No, I'm just saying how nice you look. Bing, there it is again. Not bad. When you're at work and you get the award for being the most whatever it is you are and the monthly award, 
and you, bing, it's a little shot of dopamine. It's instant gratification, nothing wrong with it on, on that level. It's just something that you, uh, it's, it's like, like a to-do list. We make a to-do list. It's funny, this week, a lady stopped me. I was in the parking lot. She was in her car, and she rolled down the window, and she said, I make a to-do list, too. And I said, who are you? She had watched the services last Sunday morning and, and enjoyed them and said she made a to-do list. And so I said, good for you. So happy. And so this was one of her, no, I don't know. But anyway, you make a to-do list. And it feels so good when you check it off, check it off, check it off. Motivational speakers tell us to write your goals down. Why do you have to write them down? Because when, you're, when you accomplish them, there's a bing, little shot of dopamine. Check it off, bing. Kind of gives you a good feel. It's, uh, you know, eating. There's dopamine in eating. Aren't you glad? That's why God gave it, so we would eat. Who's ever heard of comfort food? You could call it dopamine food. Because, bing, oh, I like this. And God says, good, that's, I, I made you that way. And so we, we, learn, we learn to not work it, but work with it. We read Galatians and, you know, about sowing and reaping. We learn that if we sow the right stuff, we're going to reap, reap the right stuff. So we learn to sow good things. And, bing, bing, you reap it. You sow goodness, you reap dopamine. And it's a wonderful thing uh, that we learn that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, God rewards you. And so you learn that God gives doses of dopamine. Bing! That's that feel-good thing you feel. It's a wonderful thing. Roman, I mean, uh, Genesis 12, when God says to uh, uh, Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to make you a blessing. And so there's this thing in Abraham, ding! Ah, didn't even know what dopamine was, but he knew that it felt good. And those are wonderful, wonderful things that God has given us. However, I'm not, uh, this is, it's, dopamine is highly addictive. Highly addictive. That you can just give yourself with that little shot. And uh, it's, uh, and one of the ways people get dopamine is alcohol gives you a little bump. Bing! Nicotine. Bing! Drugs, legal or illegal, they boost you up. Ding, there it is. Gambling, pornography, phone, social media likes. Ding, they liked it. They like me. They're following me. I'm getting three new followers. All right. See, I have been told forever that the first thing you crave in the morning is a good stiff drink. You just might be an alcoholic. If when you wake up and the first thing you got to have is that bing of nicotine, you might be a smoker that has uh, got problems. If that first thing, it becomes very, very, very addictive. Some people use their phones and they can't even walk around the house without the phone in their hand. They've had to come up with laws about texting so you would quit texting while you're on your phone, while you're driving, because it's dangerous. You think you can multitask, you really can't. But that thing dings and you just can't wait. You'll be to the, to, to the place in five minutes, but you can't wait five minutes to get that, what did they say? They invited me to dinner. And you feel like you gotta get back to them before the next 10 minutes when you get to your destination. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because there's that ding, we like it. We like it. The tension feels good. The workplace. 
We don't call them alcoholics. We call them workaholics because it worked. Ding! Wow, good job. We're going to make you the grand poopah of something. We're going to give you a promotion, and you're going to get a bigger office. Ding! And we're going to give you your name tag. Ding! And you go to work, and they, 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 wow, what good you are. And we're going to give you some more money. And it's going to be, and you're going to be so po you know, popular, and it's going to be wonderful. And you get all these dings. And then you go get home, walk in the door, and he says to you, could you take out the trash? It stinks in here. How many know there's no ding there? <laughs> Notice I said that. For the ladies' benefit. I <laughs> uh, look at the crowd. Mama didn't raise no fool here. <laughs> Could there be a little ding there, perhaps? See, in, in, in home, there's no fanfare. See, in, in the God confusion, I mean, it's, 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 it's not just home, church, workplace. They, they're going to come to Jesus. Jesus says it in, in Matthew. He says, they're going to come to me in, on that day, not the final day of judgment. But on that day, they're going to come and say, didn't we, didn't we cast out devils in your name and heal the sick and do this and do this and do this? And Jesus is going to say, you know, I never asked you to do that. You didn't know. You did it on your own. Because you were addicted to the ding that it gave you. And you spent your whole life in this religious silliness. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, I tell you what, I gave my life to God and I had to sacrifice my family and my family couldn't dance and this and this. And I think that's crazy. Jesus never asked you to do that. You took it on yourself. Took it on yourself because God's not like that. And I think oftentimes we do it for us. Performance. See, dopamine really is all about you. And addicts will sacrifice anything for the next hit, for the next shot of adrenaline, for that next ding. Ask the families of addicts if that isn't true, and they'll tell you it is. Somebody addicted to alcohol, drugs, gambling, spent the family fortunes, family savings, out and thinking they're going to make some more. See, Paul says, don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't make provision for that. Keep yourself out of that. Uh, the truth of it is, you may be addicted to you. It puts on a good show. Everyone thinks you're wonderful. But really, you're so high on yourself, and you need that next ding so bad, that next shot of dopamine so bad, you make all kinds of crazy decisions. And so Jesus has, my friend, a biological cure. A biological cure? Yeah. Well, I thought this was a church. I didn't know it was a biology class. It is a church. When David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew bits and pieces of what he was talking about. And science has given us the verbiage to understand how life works. Not just for believers, for unbelievers. See, I've met some unbelievers. I know some unbelievers, and they're happier than some Christians. Anybody know that? Happy as a clam. Well, don't you know you need Jesus? I, maybe, I don't know, but I'm really happy. They've learned to manage their life. 
and I want to help you do that. The next one is serotonin. I call it the leadership esteem moment, uh, hormone. It's the power of the clan. It's the power of the, the, the gang. It's that belonging. I remember as a child, my parents would tell all of us kids that don't forget who you are. We were raised that our last name was to be honorable. And when I, you're a pastor, so I want you, no, 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 none of that was ever mentioned. Delmer, you're a geesey. And I want you to represent us well. That that's the power of a clan, the power of a family. And what parents are the, should be the original ones to define who you are. Leadership, what it does, it gives us identity. It brings us together. And Jesus did it. See, when he got his guys together for the first time, and he sits them all down, and he says, I want you guys to know that you, my friends, guys, are the light of the world. What? Not us. I don't feel like that. He says, yes, you really are. You are the light of the world. And he goes on in John chapter 3 to talk about who they are. He says, it's like being born again. You were born into this family. Now you're born of God's family. You are God's child. Sometimes I don't act like it, but you still are. That's what water baptism is all about, is about recognizing and becoming part of God's new family. If you've come to faith, baptism doesn't mean church membership and all that kind of stuff. It really means that you've died to your past and you're coming alive to Christ. You're in a new family. Paul says, you are the body of Christ. He says, we are his house. The cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And we are becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Jesus in Caesarea Philippi, surrounded by huge pagan temples all around him. He said, I want you guys to know that on what Peter just said, I'm going to build my church. And you guys are going to be it. And Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. You are? I wouldn't trust him with the keys to the kingdom. Jesus said, I do. I've invested in you guys, and the gates of hell will not stand against what God's going to do through you. You talk about the power of a clan, the power of belonging. Jesus laid it out for them, who they were, that you're not just a bunch of yahoos. You're not just a bunch of worthless fishermen and an eclectic group of people that didn't have much in common. You are the light of the world even when they didn't feel like it. See, what serotonin does is it lifts you above the dopamine addiction. Instead of being addicted to likes and likes, oh, do you like that? Do you like that? God says, let me give you a better, a better drug. It's serotonin, and it fills your life with purpose, that you belong. And so those stupid temptations of dopamine, that make you, they don't even affect you because you're full of serotonin. You're full of something else that lifts you right above the addictions of dopamine. Do you, do you like it? Sure, it makes you feel good, but you're not addicted to that because you got another thing flowing in your blood. It's serotonin, it's purpose, it's cause. Nehemiah's building the wall. In Sanballat, there would be the, 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 the enemy, as it were. Sanballat, come on down and let's talk, let's work this thing out, let's stop what you're doing. And, and Nehemiah says, no, we're doing a great thing. And I'm not coming off this wall to talk to you about it. 
But when you get serotonin, you know who you are in Christ. That does something to the insides of you. And when temptation comes with a dopamine little charge, it doesn't even move you. Because there's a whole lot more going on in your life than just that. How pretty you look, how much weight you've lost. And I'm not against any of that kind of stuff. Those things help us. But they don't have to make you an addict. And the thing that breaks addiction, I think, is serotonin. In your blood. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And I think the vehicle that he uses is serotonin. He came to save you from addictions, from being all wrapped up in yourself, from becoming so convoluted that you could see nothing but your desires, your wishes, your wants. And that's why it's called the leadership. See, leadership isn't the guy that stands in front and talks and all that kind of stuff. What Jesus said that leadership was, he's the good shepherd. And he compared it to the hireling. He says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The real cost of leadership is self-interest. You can't have self-interest and lead people very far ever at all. Because it's blinded by your dopamine hit and you want to be, you want to be. He says, no, no, no. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The leader is the one that takes the hit first. When the wolf comes, the hireling, the guy that's doing it for money, takes off. But Jesus says when the wolf comes, the shepherd goes out and fights him. The shepherd goes on and takes those wolf pack on. And he's not going to leave because that's what leaders do. That's what fathers do. That's what parents do is they go fight the wolves because you're stronger, you're more able, you've been experienced, and you know how to take care of those things. If you leave the people you're supposed to be leading to the wolves, you're not a shepherd, you're a hireling, Jesus says. Because his whole thought was shepherds don't run. They go fight the wolves to protect the weak, to protect the innocent. They provide for the needs of the family. And the fact that their needs aren't being met, it's secondary. Because that cortisol inside, excuse me, the the serotonin inside is doing wonderful, wonderful things for you. Serotonin is increased in the giver and in the receiver. It's like it, 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 it worked when you feel like your boss has your back. Ah, safety. Great company. If you think that people are looking to hack you, I tell you what, it just does away with serotonin. There's, there's no peace there. And our trouble, I'm not trying to take sides or anything. But part of our disillusionment of our nation right now, depends on, I don't care what side you're on, is many leaders, instead of sacrificing themselves, have sacrificed the public to protect themselves in their office. It's where they want to be. And it's incredibly disillusioning when people who are supposed to take care of you take care of themselves and leave you to the wolves. Thank you. I've got a license to do that, you know. It hangs right on my wall. You ought to see it sometime. The fourth one, I think I'm on the fourth one, is oxytocin. That's the love uh, uh, trust hormone. That's what comes over moms when they have babies. That's, as a matter of fact, it helps in birth of babies. 
is when the little baby is born, oxytocin is flowing like crazy in the mom and that little baby. That's why they want that little baby to get on mom's chest right away so that bond can happen like it's supposed to. And oxytocin is not just for birthing experiences, but it is passed on through physical touch, shaking hands. That's funny. The Bible says greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, we're not going to do that. What it should have said is greet one another with a warm hug. If you're into that kissing stuff, you go ahead and kiss each other. But could you not do it at church before or after church? We had a lady. She's passed on. Gone to be with the Lord, I think. Anyway, she's passed on, and she had this thing for kissing people. I mean, not a little thing on the cheek. She'd kiss him right on the mouth. When my son was 14, this lady came pat and smacked him right in the mouth. And he goes, ah! Not if it had been a pretty girl over there, he'd have said, oh, yeah, baby. No, no, it wasn't the pretty girl. It was this lady, and we had to ask her to quit. And she said, no, I just love to. I said, I know you do. Please stop. You're scaring the children. And so, look, I've been around long enough. She didn't stop. She just stopped around me. That's why I spent a long time in the lobby. You don't know who she was, so. Those of you online, don't even try to guess because you'll guess the wrong one. I know you. So it's, it's, it's affection, physical affection. Either other places, instead of holy kiss, instead of warm embrace, I'm sure it says it somewhere. It's in the back part of the Bible, I'm sure. Anyway, words of affection, words of, res- of respect. And another thing is visible acts of generosity, of personal generosity. Visible acts where you can see. That's why Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Well, Jesus also said, don't let what you're doing just to be seen. He says this thing in in the same little sermon. If your motivation is to make yourself look good, forget it. You've just got your reward, he said. But the truth is, what happens when you do personal uh, generosity acts is it does something to the person you give to and to you yourself and to even those who have have observed it. Kindness. Kindness given to people behind the scenes when you personally invest financially in somebody else's life. It does wonderful things. And for the people that get to see that, that's why I chose ministry. I lived my whole life watching my mom and dad personally be incredibly generous to all kinds of people, give grace and mercy when other people might not have done that. But I saw them behind the scenes when no one else was looking, personally be generous and kind and gracious, give her their time, give her their energy. What happens to you when you do that is oxytocin just fills your soul. And it fills the soul of the person you're helping. That's what I'm saying. Nobody, when you got your stimulus money from the government, said, oh, I just love my government. Dear Joe Biden, thank you so much. It meant so much to me. It didn't mean anything to you because, you know, it just came out of a government fund somewhere. Of course, you deposited it, didn't you? You might have said, this is terrible, but I'm going to take it anyway because it's terrible. And when they came around the next and the next and the next, we all griped, but you still took it. I know what you're saying. (laughs) When you pay the mechanic who fixes your car, and you say thank you. There's not a lot of oxytocin there because you paid him and he fixed your car hopefully properly. And oxytocin takes time to, to develop. It's not instant overnight. 
And the wonderful thing about oxytocin is it inhibits addictions. But it's personal contact. I'm all for email. Email will communicate information, and that's a good thing because sometimes you need it in writing. You need a paper trail. I understand all that kind of stuff. But I think sometimes we should have conversations instead of sending an email, a phone call. Good job on that, Fred. I want you to know what? We were all so happy with you. When you do that kind of stuff, it creates oxytocin in you and in the people you talk to, you connect with. Peter said it. Learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godlike, so you can enjoy other people and grow to love them deeply. See, deep love is grown. It takes time. It just takes time. If you've known anybody that uh, they went out on their first date, we're getting married. Are you kidding me? I just feel it. Probably not what you feel. Give it some time. See if you love her or him that much. After a while, it takes time to grow. Anyway, to love them deeply. If you possess these qualities, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Who would like to be effective and productive? I would. Amen. I would. So let these things of oxytocin work in you. Well, I like if you're a Christian. No, 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 I don't care. I hope you're a believer. But whether you are or you're not, these things will work in your life. They'll help you. They'll get you where you need to be. And the last one doesn't mean that I'm closing. It's just the last one I'm going to talk about. Yeah. It's cortisol. We all understand that. It's a stress hormone. It brings anxiety. It's the thing that gives us a shot of adrenaline. And the shot of adrenaline is that thing that keeps you. It's the fight or flight syndrome. When you're startled, <gasps> you get a shot of, of, of adrenaline in your body. And you, you, you know and you, it's, it's God-given. That's what he gives it. And the, the fight or flight, it, it, what, what uh, cortisol does is it shuts off the immune systems because when you're going to fight or flight, you don't need to be protected from diseases and all that. You need, you need all the energy to go to your muscles, to go to your brain, and it increases self-interest, self-preservation. It increases glucose, heart rate, paranoia, and your senses are uh, increased, and, but it is highly contagious. Cortisol is highly contagious. And I hate to repeat the example I used, but what you've seen on the Discovery Channel and all the antelope are out just munching down, eating grass, eating grass, eating grass. And then one of them thinks he hears a, 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 a stick break <gasps> and he looks up. And then all of a sudden, all the antelope, what do they do? They look up. And they start looking around. They don't see anything. And then old Larry over there sees a lion in the bushes. <gasps> and he takes off running. And the other hundred run too. They didn't even see the lion. They didn't hear the, bro the broken stick, but they knew that Larry and Phil over there, they were off to the races running. And they run to live another day. It's a good system because they <gasps> woke everybody up. So if you're one of these people with cortisol drip, 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 you know what you're doing? <gasps> And that's the way you live. So the people around you, <gasps> we call it being on edge. Well, you got to be ready. <gasps> I'll bet you dollars to donuts. You're no fun to be around. Because you keep everybody <gasps> on edge. That's how road rage happens. 
It's because people are driving at, at 200 degrees, 212, not boiling, Pastor, not boiling. I know, but you're so close to it, it wouldn't take much to throw you over. So guys are going down the road, men and women going down the road at 210 degrees, and the slightest little thing, boom, they're out of control. And it's because they were living with that kind of stuff day after day after day. It's the, <gasps> adrenaline's supposed to be there for a few minutes to let you be aware, to give you some, whether you have to fight or flight or whatever it is you're going to do. It's why it's given but prolonged adrenaline. The cortisol that drips, drips, drips. Happens to people in the workplace. Ooh, I hear there's layoffs coming. <gasps> Deep layoffs coming. <gasps> and all of a sudden, the whole office is on edge because of what they might do. And if you don't learn to reject that, I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. <gasps> I know churches that are full of it. How the devil's going to get everybody into the Antichrist is going to get you and Jesus is going to come and you're left behind. <gasps> Who was raised in that kind of thing? I, you know, it's, evangelists would scare the willies out of you every service. No wonder we got saved so often. <laughs> See, Paul says, no, 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 guys, guys, guys. Don't be, be, be angry. Go ahead. It's, it's okay to be angry. Let, let the adrenaline hit you. Sometimes you gotta, but, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't live with a low-level anger. When the lion is out there, okay, okay, you, you need that. You need to be ready. But if you're living with that, uh, it's, it's a low-level anger, I think is what it is. Jesus says when you're offering your gift at the altar, and sometimes it took a long time to get to the front of the altar. I mean, there's lots of Jews in line to give their gifts. And so you wait in line, wait in line. And you're there, and Jesus, you're there ready to offer your gift. And you remember somebody has something against you. Jesus says, leave your gift there. Leave your gift there. I'd lose my place in line. Jesus says, it's okay. It's better that you go make it right with somebody than you offer things to God. You're saying that people are more important than God? He's saying no, but the way you honor God is to honor who he made holy. Every human being, believe it or not, that you come eyeball to eyeball is made in the image of God. And so Jesus says, you be careful when you're offering your gift and go make it right if you have to. Hebrews says, be careful, be careful, lest the root of bitterness spring up and defile you. Matter of fact, not, matter of fact, not just defile you, but defile many families, workplaces, for generations get defiled. Paul was talking to Timothy, young Timothy, the pastor. And Paul tells Tim, he says, guy, guy, there's so much wrangling over, over words and, and this, that, and the other. He says, don't get into that. Don't wrangle over words of what this means, what that doesn't mean. Paul says, the servant of the Lord must not strive, must not have that <gasps> in him, but must be gentle, able to teach those who are in opposition. That's what, that's what Jesus says. When these crazy guys come and ask you to go a mile, he says, give them two. Well, it's not right. I know, but it's better than having that stuff in your system. Better than living with cortisol. 
When they turn, they slap you on the face, give them the other. Why? He said it's more important to be slapped on the cheek than to live with that kind of in your life. When I say you know exactly what I'm talking about. From low level to high level anger that keeps you awake at night, hating those you fill in the blank. See, Paul said, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul just said, well, just lay down, Vogue, doesn't matter what they do. No, he says, there's a way to win. I'm not wanting to be a loser. I never want to. I play to win every time. But I'm telling you, there's a different way to win. And it's not fighting fire with fire, not fighting evil with evil, but it's overcoming evil with goodness. Peter says, and I put all these scriptures at the top. It's just taking too many bulletins to write them all in. The references that I'm using, he says, Be beware. The adversary, the, the devil, your adversary, is roaring, is going to and fro like a roaring lion. And he's full of cortisol. And if he can inoculate you, if he can give you a shot of that, it'll deplete all the good things you ever wanted to do. See, cortisol makes you feel unsafe. Brings drama. Brings strife. And for some people, that's just how they're raised. That's normal. Dead mom fighting, screaming, all that. Isn't that how people get along? Go in the workplace and you, you badmouth your boss and it's labor management issue. And it just, isn't that how it is? No, it doesn't have to be. I'm saying you can be different. See, strife, it blocks oxytocin. It stops the love, stops the safety, stops the trust. Jeremiah, come on back. We're going to wrap it up. When David said in Psalm 139, you knit me together. God, you wired me. You put these systems in my body. He didn't understand any of these five hormones. Science hadn't discovered them yet, but they were there. He knew how they worked. He didn't know what to call them. He said, Lord, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And those guys just knew enough to do what God had said to do that the whys they didn't understand. Thank God for science. We understand some of the whys of the, what appears to be ridiculous commandments that Jesus gave. He said, I've got a kingdom for you, a coming kingdom that is broader than anything you've ever seen. It makes going the second mile look like a picnic. It makes turning the other cheek nothing. Because I've got a dimension for you to live in that is free from strife and hatred and debate. Well, he didn't understand our world. Live in the Roman world. We've seen nothing like that in the culture that we live. The Romans were really vicious people. Just didn't carry signs against whoever it is we like. He said, I got a kingdom for you, son. 
that if you will humble yourself, if you'll bow before my throne, if you will let me reign over you, entrance to my kingdom would be there. My kingdom, like when we get old and die. No, 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 that kingdom. The kingdom that God has brought into this world today for believers to live in, enjoy. It works for our best in life, both now and then. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God who's at work in you to give you the will, first of all, the desire to do right. To give you the desire to make, give you the want to and then the ability to do it. The desire and the ability, God says, I'm going to give that to you. You can walk with me and you can live at peace. And if you're not doing that, let me just encourage you to do that. But on the other side, if you've never opened your life to Christ, if you've never opened your heart to Jesus, or it's so a long time ago that it doesn't even matter anymore, I want you to do that today. Right while you're watching online. You may be on a Sunday morning, you may be a Thursday afternoon three years from now. I don't know. But God knew that you'd be here today listening, and he's talking to you. Jesus wants to help you. He wants to give you his grace. You do not have to do this on your own. You're not left alone. There is one who came to save you from your sins. So let me ask you this morning, maybe we're going to stand in a moment and sing to at that time just say, Lord, come into my life. I open my life to you. I open my life again to you, Lord. Why don't you do that this morning? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for these dear people who love you. Lord, for those that have struggled so hard to do the right thing, as it were, and worked so hard at it, that it would be admirable, Lord. But Lord, we want to live our life with the strength that you provide, with the grace that you give, so we can keep ourselves in a healthy, balanced world. I pray to that end, Lord, for these dear people, for those that are watching online, as they open their lives to you, Lord, as they're saying yes to you, Jesus, that you would come in and do wonderful things. I pray that in Jesus' strong name.